0: Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer it's good
1: You're listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among all Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud.
0: Hey, here come the Flyers.
1: Welcome back to opening week of Talking Out Loud. To keep the train rolling after the Jordan Seibert interview earlier this week, I wanted to bring on our friend, the voice of the Flyers, Larry Hansigan, for his second appearance on the podcast. Larry, thanks for coming on. I know we did this last year, and you um, know, safe to say it was a resounding hit, so I wanted you to come back on, and uh, I think we we can start the slate clean and have a nice open forum for podcasting and conversation today since the Dayton Flyer season Uh, of 2021 is now well behind us right
2: yeah uh, let's hope that uh, this is the only thing that this season has in common with last season
1: (laughs) so let's start there you uh you called most of the games as you always do uh last year what was what was the moment for you or what what was the weirdest thing last year I guess everybody kind of has the same answer of what was the weirdest there was nobody in the building but did you have a moment where you're like man this season's going to be way different
2: i, I think it I mean, the very first moment and then it just was a cumulative effect after that um i i never got used to it never there, there yeah. was never a time where that became a new normal where whether it was broadcasting remotely for an away game or being at an empty away arena, or being at a uh, spit-in-the-ocean UD arena, where it ever, in any way, shape, or form, became a new normal. It just never was, and it didn't, and uh, yeah, I'm just so glad to have it behind me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the moment for me was definitely when I went to the SMU game and uh there was what like 100 or 200 people in the building and didn't it kind of feel like you were showing up to watch practice every day
2: i wish it had that much energy uh (laughs) i i I think you know what you know what it was it was eternal LaSalle. it was as if uh, you woke up in some episode of the twilight zone and uh or and it was a uh a groundhog's day version uh, where every day you're walking in uh, the, to the Tom Gola uh, Aquatic Center tire uh, tire store and hair care salon, and you, that's where you're going to play that day. Uh, and it, it was it, it was worse than a practice. It, it was it was a game that um, had no atmosphere, had no feel to it. And on top of that, if you add just the uncertainty. That the guys went through of you know waking up on game day and really not knowing if they play yeah
1: you know, that's that's a really good point and i think that doesn't get enough attention as we looked back on last year is it and i think there's one reason for that I think it didn't get a whole lot of attention because Dayton was extremely fortunate in that regard. And we didn't have any games canceled. Um, and I really, I didn't think much about it because we didn't have games canceled, but you're right. Um, you know, Even going into the season, Dayton was supposed to be in um, what in uh, maybe Puerto Rico or the Bahamas. And then that got canceled. Then they were going to go to South Dakota and then that got canceled. And then, yeah, they ended up with nothing and they were just playing regular, you know, home and away games. So I guess by the time the season started, we had the schedule and we're going to move on through it. And I kind of forgot the fact that there were all these teams that had games canceled. And then St. Louis didn't, of course, start until I guess it was December. Um, and they took or that was they took a month off. They didn't start late. They took the month off there. And then, of course, they came back and played Dayton and, and they lost first game out. And so I definitely did not give enough attention to the fact that Dayton got through their whole season. But um, the, the one thing that now that I'm looking back on the season and uh, hindsight being what it is, the cooler heads always prevail in the off season, We have a chance to chat about this stuff. But I don't think it was lost on me or any fans in Dayton that it had a very tangible effect on the guys, number one. But number two, I think it had more of an effect on our team because of the season that preceded it, do you think that's fair to say now that the season's behind us?
2: Yeah, I do. And and and, and not to you know to parse words or any, but you know Dayton did have some games that were canceled. Dayton didn't have any games canceled due to any Dayton issues. They had games canceled because opponents couldn't play. Uh, and, yeah, sure. Yeah, and so I, I think that that uh, was maybe even more frustrating that these what these guys had to do protocol wise and then only to be told well guess what you know your opponent can't play and so you're not going to play now uh, i mean a year in which you you don't play george mason at george mason but you play another team at george mason you know and just just yeah. so it was so goofy uh and 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 i think on top of the what if of the way the 2019-2020 season ended, I think it just compounded the frustration. I think you're absolutely right. Um, A a team that to a certain degree kept trying to say, this is a new year, this is a new team, this is a new situation, we've got new people. And and to a large degree, all of that was accurate, but I still really feel like uh, that group, and particularly the returning players, Felt like they were um, they were dealing they had unfinished business, and it it was palpable this sense that they wanted to somehow um, write a final chapter for the previous year, um, you know, right the wrongs of the previous year, whatever, and it simply just was not able to happen. And so uh, I, I think that added to the frustration. I think it added to the inconsistency. Um, it, it was, I mean, it was a perfect storm to have a really difficult uh, emotional, emotionally and physically year uh, for certainly the players, the staff, and then obviously the fans uh, feel that impact as well.
1: Yeah, and, and like when you do – take that step back and you think about the guys on the team. Um, I always say this to people that by, by about January or by the Christmas holiday, we have a pretty good idea. Hey, this is going to be a pretty darn good team this year, or Hey, these, these guys are going to struggle the rest of the way. I think we always have a good sense. Now it might not play out exactly how, how we think, but I think generally speaking, that's when we start to get the sense for the team is right around Christmas time. And, and on that same note, it's not lost on the guys either that they have that same feeling. And you can't sit here and tell me now with this season behind us that Jalen Crutcher and Ibby Watson weren't sitting there going, Hey, we're, we're not even close to as good as last year. I mean, that was not lost on them. I think those guys had that realization and I give them a ton of credit for persevering regardless. Now, of course you have no choice, but, I think the point I'm getting at here is the guys are human. They know the team wasn't that good and and they had to do their best to kind of get up every day and get excited for those games. And I think it just, it got so much harder as the season drew on because of course, beginning of January, you had already lost to LaSalle and Fordham and you're staring down the barrel going, all right, we're not going to go to the tournament this year. And you're kind of playing for that three days in March at the A-10 tournament. So, I do feel for those guys a lot because you're a human being, right? When you come off one of the best seasons of your life, it's going to be pretty hard to get excited for what we saw last year, right?
2: Well, I've got tremendous empathy for those guys because if you look at that, those seniors, they, they lost, they had something taken away from them twice. They yep. had um, their – You know junior year their their 2019 20 campaign taken away from them uh what could have been and then their senior year is to a certain degree taken away from them by you know not having uh the type of year that they would have hoped to have had and 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 much of it was out of their control it's one thing to go out and and to not play well and you can look in the mirror and say well you know what i you know i i didn't play well i did this or that but um, with apologies to Alan Iverson, uh, practice is important, and uh, these guys, you know, these guy, and, and and I think that if fans ever wondered whether practice was important, I, I would just take last season and I would uh, I would replay it for you, and I'd I'd say, no, take good notes because um, you know a group that lost all the summer, uh, a month of the fall, and then it. The non-conference season is not practice. The, the games count, but like you said, Sully, I mean, by Christmas time we know. Why do we know? Because they've played an exempt tournament against uh, usually at least two to, if not three, really high-caliber teams, so they can measure themselves against that type of competition. And then they've got um, ten to twelve, uh, you know, other, you know, non-conference games under their belt. Well, that's a pretty good sample. Then, by Christmas, to have an idea of what you're looking at before you get, begin a ten play. Well, they had five games last year before a ten play began, and maybe, um, maybe the, the the poor play early in the a ten season um, doesn't speak as much to the benefit of all that practice in the summer and fall and those non-conference games, maybe January's poor play doesn't speak to that as much as what you saw in mid-February on from Zimian Wokeji and Kobe Brea, Uh, you know, and and, and RJ, these young guys who didn't have all that. And then all of a sudden, you know, the guys that in January as a fan, you were looking at and saying, Oh my gosh, this guy, this guy's a bust. And then he goes for 29 in a game in late February. Uh, I I think what you saw late from a lot of those young guys is a better indication of the value of all that practice as well as the non-conference games.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think if you, want to look at what we have coming into the year. It starts with, with the three main guys that were returning MZO Weaver and, uh, and Zimmy um, Kobe Bray is certainly right behind them and, and important guys are returning. But um, I think my favorite part about this season and, and I'm, I'm interested to get your take on it of course as well. But my favorite part about this season is you can't say uh, Dayton has rebuilt or here's what they're bringing back from last year, because Frankly, it doesn't really matter what we're bringing back from that team because the team that we're going to see on the floor is entirely different basically from top to bottom, right? So, I, you know, you always see at this time of year in September there's all these previews, right? Here's their returning players and here's the holes that they need to fill. And I'm excited about this year because we don't have to have any of those conversations. I mean, do you kind of feel the same way that we are entirely – wiping the slate clean and kind of starting over here, at least from the era that we just got out of, let's call it the uh, Obi Toppin era and hangover year, right?
2: Well, here's here's why, here's what we like about sports. Here's what makes sports a good thing. And, And this is the reason why one would buy a ticket. Here's the reason why one would turn on the radio. Here's the reason why one would watch TV is not knowing, not knowing the outcome. Uh, and and the beauty of this approaching season is I don't know. And I, I think if, if you're a sports fan, you've got to that's got to get your juices flowing a little bit. Um, I mean coaches probably drives them crazy and they don't sleep because they don't know a little, but but, yeah. a, but a fan, a fan and, and, and a media person covering a team, wow, to not know, what to expect makes you show up with anticipation um you know because i've seen both you know i've seen both sides of uh, of knowing um the, 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 there was a lot of years uh in which you, you kind of knew uh you'd look at the schedule and you go well based upon who we've got coming back and whoever else has coming back will be favored in these games this game's uh, dayton will be an underdog and lo and behold uh, You know, it it would be 20, it would be a 20 and 10 season. And it was just exactly the way you thought it was going to be. Or you you go back to the O'Brien era and you looked and you said, oh, my God, this team can't beat anyone. And you were right. Um, You know, in in both cases, uh, knowing wasn't, you know, there was very little uh, satisfaction in knowing. Um, All of the all of the memorable seasons um, have that. Wow, I didn't see that coming Uh, factor someplace in it. You know, the the 2019-20 season, I I, I think that once you hit the first of the year, you saw a team like, wow, I I don't think they're going to lose. I don't think they're going to lose. You know, but you didn't think that in November. In November, you didn't think that they were going to head into the A-10 play with just two losses. And then when the A-10 play began, you didn't think, well, they're going to run the table. You know, you didn't know. Um, and then the the years in which the, the teams caught fire late, you know, you, you look at the Elite eight runs in 2014 and 84, uh, or even in the the 2014-15 season. After all the dismissals, and all of a sudden, this team with just seven guys, they they start doing surprising things. That's that's what that's it's those surprises. It's that it's the unknown becoming something that we can wrap our heads around. That's what's fun.
1: That's what keeps us coming back for more to the arena, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think you're spot on in saying that. And and I – for some reason, I always reference the team in 16-17 we start to talk about preseason expectations because I think that was the last team legitimately – and it was probably one of the only teams out of the last 10 years where we walked into the season and we said – this is a conference winner. This is a team that should go to the second weekend, you know, or they should be right there on the doorstep to play in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And that was pretty pretty close to where they ended up. You know, they, they played a heartbreaker against Wichita State, which could have gone either way. But that entire season, you're right, there wasn't – there was excitement, but the same kind of excitement was not present because it was expected. That team brought back enough talent with Scucci and Kyle and Kendall and Cook where we all kind of expected them to be conference front runners. And then when they were, it was like, okay, well, they, they met those expectations. And I think there's definitely something to be said this year for having no expectations. Now, I, I think um, I wouldn't be doing you know, my part here on the program without saying that it's definitely a let's get back to winning type of year. With that in mind, i um, not sure if you had a chance to talk to, to Coach Grant yet, but uh, have you gotten a feeling from him, you know, what he thinks he has, what he what he wants to do, or, or what his feeling is going into this year, kind of leaving the last one behind us?
2: Well, I, I think we're talking Dayton basketball, so there are expectations that uh, are always going to be there and always should be there. Mm-hmm. Um, the expectation should be to contend for the A-10 uh, A-10 championship and for an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. That's every year. That—that that, I that's think we're year.
1: finally there now. I really do. I yeah, think there was a couple year. of years where I, where I could have argued, you know, uh, we're we're gassing ourselves up. But I, I'm with you, Larry. I think that we have now gotten over the hump as a program and it's happened over the last 10 years where you're right. Every single year, I think the expectation from the fans and from the players and the coaches all the way down is that we get in the tournament. We we compete for an at-large bid. We compete for the conference, right? I
2: I, I think, and and I, I I don't think that there is a a member of the athletic department that would run away from that. Uh, there's not a member, certainly a member of the coaching staff, and obviously not no one on the players is going to say, oh, I don't know, I, I think that's a little too uh uh big a task. No, uh, I I this is Dayton. This is Dayton, and this is, you know, it's funny because uh, you, you know we're you know the football season just began, and and before the Flyers football opener, a guy, the guy, the radio guy from Eastern Illinois said, "Well, well, how would this Dayton team define a successful season?" And I said, "Well, it's the same every year. It's when the Pioneer Football League go and go to the, the go to the playoffs says the automatic qualifier. It, it's it's mm-hmm. to win the league championship. That's how you define a – And and if you don't win it, it's not a successful season. You know there there's." You know, this is not particip- participation, Trophy U. Um, <laughs> this, this, uh, this is a, you know, and, and, and that's a nice, that's one of those things that, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much in the weeds here, Sully, but uh, one of the things that I've seen change at the University of Dayton through the years um, is the uh, esprit de corps within all of athletics. Um, there is an expectation across the board in the athletic department that to win a league championship, to be a champion, to to not just compete, not just field a team, but to but to win a league title and to compete for the league title. And I I, I think if you go across the board in the sports, uh, anything less than that is not considered to be a success. So 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 basketball wise, I agree. We're, we're at that point now where this is a team that realistically should be in the conversation for a league title and an, and an at-large berth in the SCA tournament every year. And I do think that even though we don't know a lot about this year's team, that's still the expectation.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know we can't sit here and puff our chests in the off season about how great the recruiting class is if it doesn't, you know, translate to some wins in November, December, into the the deep winter months of January, February, and conference play. But no, I mean I'm glad that you got into the weeds, and I think this is one of the reasons I I love having you on to set the the tone for the year now two years in a row is because I do think as a as um, a fan of this program my whole life that there was some years and, and maybe they were closer to the time I was in school, like the end of, of Brian Gregory's era, where, um, where fans were willing to hand wave a little bit more, you know, where they were maybe, I think it's harsh to say make excuses, but I think a lot of the fan base was not on the same page as to what was possible at Dayton. And, And I say that very carefully because I think for years and years, there was a large faction of the fan base that said, hey, what is possible is that we dominate the conference year in, year out. But then for a really long time, you know, 10 years, 15 years, you couldn't beat Xavier. You're constantly losing to Temple. Then th- there was other programs that would come and go and they'd beat us and and we wouldn't have our time, right? And, and so now that's what I, what I say is that I think we're at a point now where the whole fan base has now gotten on the same page where, hey, we have the most funding. We have the most uh, backing. We have the most support. We have the best facilities in the conference. There's just no reason anymore to sit back and make excuses when things don't go our way because we're a strong program and, and we got to you know carry ourselves as such. Um, but with that in mind, I mean, we're looking at the number one recruiting class that I've ever seen. And, and pretty much anybody, I mean, I know it's hard to say like the best recruiting class ever because recruiting rankings are... Um, kind of a a recent type of thing, but it's fair to say we have the most talent that I've seen on a roster going into a year. It might be unproven talent. It could be raw talent, but would you agree that this is probably the most talent we've had on a roster going into a season?
2: Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, there, there has never been uh, as heralded a bunch of recruits, but it, and, 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 and just watching and just seeing these guys, whether you've seen them on tape and they're, AAU or high school days or just seeing them in, in workouts already here on campus, um, you know, they are a very, very skilled, very talented, very athletic, um, you know, the, the and so what's, uh, what's it going to take? Well, it's going to be um, what, what, what's, what's their toughness like? What's their basketball IQ like? And then how do they blend together? What's the chemistry going to be like? I, I really think the coaching staff uh, is really jazzed if you for lack of a better term is that they just i mean if you think about if you're a coach you know you're basically a teacher at heart and uh wow what 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 these guys get to do they get to do a lot of teaching right now and they're given these raw materials to to work with um coach grant's been very hands-on in his approach and practices and, and and i see a lot of uh not that fundamentals were ever taken for granted before, but I, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're getting back to basics with a lot of these guys and just footwork and, you know, little things, you know, the post moves and all the type of stuff that you've got this raw talent. So let's teach them to do it the right way. Let's teach them to do it the Dayton way. Um, you know, there, there's not a lot of, uh, bad habits to unlearn. And, um, yeah I, I like what I see so far from these guys as far as their coachability um because you think about it you got a lot of you know it, it's a it's an all-star team uh that you're trying to you know you're trying to put together uh into becoming uh, five guys on the court at any given time.
1: Yeah, absolutely and I think um it, that, that knife, unfortunately, cuts both ways. I think that we're going to inevitably have a couple of guys that that find themselves a little further out of the rotation than they've expected by the time we do hit Christmas. Um, but that's that's college basketball. I mean, that's why the transfer market's so hot. That That's why you get so many talented guys in here so you can figure out what your best roster is going to be. And I don't shy away from telling people that's the business of college basketball, You're, you know, Guy like Anthony Grant's paid a lot of money to win games, and that's that's the cost sometimes. Um, but I was interested that you got kind of to to this. You have you seen a little bit of a change in, in Coach Grant the way that he's approached this season, especially with what he now has, um, you know, in his rearview mirror. Yeah, I mean, the
2: biggest you know that's a, you know visible change would just be that very hands on approach. Um, you know, he's he's not, uh, you know, and, and he's always been very involved in practice. and not like he just folds his arm and lets the assistants run practice. But um, sure. you know, John
1: Wooden with his uh, his what he had the uh, booklet, he used to curl yeah. up and then sit on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> no,
2: no, it's not like that. You know, not like that at all. He's been very hands on, very involved. Yeah. But um, yep. but but you know, the whole staff is is uh, engaged. I guess I guess not that they've ever been disengaged, but you know. Sure. This is a, you know, if you like to coach, if you like to coach, well, this is a place to be right now.
1: Yeah, and I hate to hate to say it, but if you're an assistant, I can't imagine a better place for you to get visibility and then jump to a better job. And I hate to say it like that because I think a lot of people won't like that I phrase it like that. But that's the reality. I mean, when you're an up and coming coach you know, you want to get on a staff like this at Dayton so that you can get visibility, you can win some games. You're not going to get lost in the shuffle of those power five programs where, yeah, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, you probably go to the tournament. But, you know, here at Dayton, I think you can get a lot of good exposure, a lot of good game exposure as an assistant coach and and get your name out there. And I think that's kind of what's all coming together, right? Is that we're, we're getting the recruits that we didn't necessarily get before. I remember last year when, when me and you came on, we kind of said the same thing was that each coach has kind of taken it to the next level. You know, Purnell, he, he brought the, the program out of the fire and, you know, Brian Gregory started bringing in uh, some better recruits that we had never had before. Archie kind of took player development to another level. Anthony Grant has had a little bit of everything. You know, he's had the player development. He's taken the recruiting to the next level. And now he's starting to put uh, guys on his coaching staff that can also add a ton of value. Not that he didn't before, but um, I, I think now that... You know, we have had a year between us talking on the program here. All those things that we had kind of expected to come to fruition, I believe, have. And I think that's why we're sitting here talking about the expectations being as high as they are. Because, frankly, I don't want it any other way. You know, I don't want to follow the program into dark days anymore. I'd like to stay over this hump that we had taken so long to get over and now be – you know, for lack of a better term, be the Z- what Xavier once was in the conference. You know, that program that everybody has to get over. You have to beat Dayton to win the conference. And I always thought that's what was possible for this program. But now the reality is staring me, me and all of us right in the face where, hey, Dayton needs to be at the top of, of the conference now. And it doesn't seem like there's anything holding us back from being being that program, right?
2: I I just think that, if you look at um, what this uh, w- what this team has done in 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 the past, in recent years, and then if, if you look at what they've been able to do recruiting wise, as much of an unknown as they are, okay, um, I, I I've got to think that, and, and we'll see when the A10 uh, preseason media poll comes out. But I got to think that there are are people around the A10 who you know, follow the league to a certain degree, but they look at the Dayton roster and they're like, wow, I don't really know any of those, oh, guys. guys." you know, <laughs> but, but, but it's Dayton. So I, I can't pick them any lower than fifth, you know, and, and, and I think that that's, that's kind of where, that's kind of where, where we, where we are right now is that um, uh, people are viewing this program as, well, they're, they're going to start in the upper tier of the league and then where they go after that depends on how they play, where, you know, where are there, there are teams that are con- consistently projected to finish in the bottom half of the league. And, and sometimes that is a complete miss on the part of the prognosticators, but it's based upon uh, a history, a track record and a field. Uh, and, and, and that comes from reality. That's not just you know, uh, you know, people are going to pick uh, LaSalle uh, and, and and Fordham uh, to be in that you know bottom third or bottom fourth of the league mm-hmm. because that's what they've proven to be through the years. And until um, you know, until it's proven otherwise, that's what people are going to do without even really getting in and dissecting their roster and their schedule and things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking to Larry Handskin right now and talking out loud. And um, Larry, what are the, the topics that came up uh, over the off season? I feel like it comes up every year, um, and I, I really do shy away from addressing it. But again, it came up this year because Cincinnati is making a move. But people say, "Oh, you know, Dayton should jump to other conference, or when are we going to leave the A10?" I've never gotten, it, and I've never gotten a hint from anybody at UD that they. Are actively looking to jump now. I know that they won't turn down certain offers. You have know, the Big East came calling, of course, they're not going to turn it down. But the feeling that I've gotten around campus is that the university is quite happy with our standing within our own conference right now, and and that's number one. And number two, that being the basketball dominant program in this conference serves us quite well. Um, do you get that same feeling? Have you heard rumblings that it, maybe they try to? Move over to the American. I think it's it's all way overblown, and people just need something to talk about. To be honest,
2: I think that um, I, I think there's there's two ways you can you can say this. Uh, I think you can say Dayton cannot be um, satisfied with the A10, but have that really mean that Dayton is not satisfied with the status quo? Of the A10 Dayton is is. It, it, it does not want to leave the A-10, but I think Dayton is constantly wanting to hold the rest of the A-10's feet to the fire to make it a better league. Um, I, I think and that's a far easier lift to make the situation you're in better uh, than to just try to find a better situation someplace else. Um, I, I've always been uh, a proponent of, uh, addition by subtraction when it comes to the Atlantic 10 uh, even though that, that's against the uh, uh, the, the current uh, flow in in college athletics and when you're seeing leagues expand uh, I, I think the a10 would be better served um, contracting wow what if you what if it was just a, a 10 a 10 team league what well, if the a10 became the Atlantic 10. And it was a league schedule that was 18 games, but you're playing everybody in the league home and away. Wow. What a great league that would be. Hey, what a great thing for the fans. What a great thing for the fans if you were going to see every team in the league at your place every season. So I'm not saying that athletic directors and presidents are thinking like that. But I think if there's any dissatisfaction with the Atlantic 10, uh, it it should not be to leave it. It should be to make the league better.
1: I I completely agree. I've said that for years, that it's the addition by subtraction. Um, And and honestly, I had the the conversation with the guys at at LaSalle, and I asked them if their program would be – better served in another league and they had to think long and hard about it. And they said, probably, you know, I think their fans are getting to that point too. Fordham's, you know, speaks for itself. Um, I think UMass has this really weird elephant in the room where they have to serve football. And I've always thought that they were going to be a great, program to end up leaving the A-10 because of that reason. Now, they're a founding program of the league. And, and like you said, I don't want to be blasphemous on this program. The, the commissioner has come on the show as well. So I don't you know, want to throw those stones or tell anybody how to do their job. But I do think that contextually that would make the conference stronger. Um, unfortunately, that's why we have these hypothetical conversations because that's all they are. Um, but I think you said it really well that Dayton's best course of action moving forward is to just hold the rest of the conference accountable, right? And even this offseason, I was really glad to see programs like George Mason go out and make a hire like Kim English, a guy who's completely just changing up how their program is perceived. And and now that George Mason's been in the conference for seven, eight years, they haven't really done anything. They've never been uh, to the semis of the A-10 tournament. They've never finished higher than fifth. And that's what you need to do. You have to change the perception of the program before the wins start to come. And those are the things that get me really excited. Because if you have programs like George Mason that are getting exciting, if you have programs like UMass that are generating buzz, even you know, if Rhode Island can get back to relevance, that is what is is going to keep people coming to the arena, number one, but number two, it's going to you know put our conference back on the map to get more than three bids because I feel like we have been stuck in a rut of two, three bids now for four or five years, and you know Dayton might be a little bit to blame for that as well. So your point's really well taken that the conference would be better served going down, even if it was a 20-game schedule and there was 11 teams, right? I mean, it's worked really well for the Big East, And if you are getting higher quality programs, but getting less of them, that means that you have more opportunities each night to get big wins. And I think that's where we sit right now, where people get frustrated. And especially this year when, you know, our schedule came out for the conference. And unfortunately, they they really didn't do us any favors this year. I don't know if you had looked through it yourself or noticed, but uh, two Saturday home games, the entire conference slate really uh, hurt me right in my heart, Larry. Because Those (laughs) are the best kind. You know that. Those are the best.
2: Well, I mean, the, the the league is is kind of focused on uh, uh, by virtue of the ESPN two contract, they, they they get you know the, I, I Friday night game. those Friday night games is a big uh, uh, is a big thing for the league trying to put their best foot forward to a national audience. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of benefits in having a a, a smaller A ten um, with a you know with a league schedule that would be attractive uh, for the fans who would make some of the non-conference scheduling easier as, as well. But right now, you know, that that's not the, uh, that's not the, uh, the, the playing field. That's not the, uh, the situation. So I, I think you just uh, continue to, you know, I, I think you, you, you continue to push people to just, you know, keep, try to keep your facilities upgraded and try to, you know, try to put your best foot forward, not just for, uh, your institution, but for the sake of the entire league.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, it's not to say I think our schedule is really solid this year. Um, you know, a top to bottom, I just think that as far as the home slate goes, um, yeah, you do what you can in the non-conference and then you hope to get a couple of those really nice marquee matchups, ones that are juicy and in conference play. And unfortunately the chips just didn't really fall, um, in our favor this year, but, um, with that said, what are you looking forward to the most out of this year, whether it be a game or just getting back in uh, in the booth with the guys and, and having a full crowd? What, what are you looking forward to the most here now that the season's less than two months away? I, I
2: You know, I guess just, you know, <laughs> yes to all the things you said.
1: <laughs> all uh, of it. I want all of it back. Yeah, I mean,
2: uh, yeah, I, mean I, I, I want, you know, I, I want fans to be in attendance, you know, I, I want uh, I want some sense of stability. I guess that's what we really all want is yeah. is stability because uh, if we see things normal uh, if we know that okay, there's a game next Saturday and there's going to be a game. It's not well depending t- uh, pending testing on the opponent, um, we'll have a game Saturday. Um, I, I, I I don't think but here's the thing is I don't know if we're there yet. I don't know if we're there yet. I, I, I think this is still, you know, um, a, 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 a season that is um, not completely tentative, but there are going to be aspects of it that will be tentative at this point. You know, we're, we're talking in, in early September and uh, early November it's, it, it starts. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to, you know, to hearing the ambient sound um, in person um, to I'm, you know, what I'm looking forward to is I'm looking forward to Dayton being on the road and a guy shooting a free throw and I'm there and I'm not looking at a video monitor, which is showing me a tight shot of a guy shooting a free throw's face that I'm in a I'm in a venue where I can look and see who's at the scorers table checking in. Uh, I can look and see that a trainer is retaping someone's ankle. Uh, I, I I can look to see that an assistant coach is in the face of a guy who just checked out of the game. Um, I, I I you you don't realize how much of a basketball game you take in when you're there in person, until you're not able to see it,
1: you're so right. Um, and I, I kind of noticed that when I was watching football this past weekend, because when you're at a game, you can see so much more than when you watch on television. Uh, but I, it's funny you led right into that because I was going to be my my next question for you was, yeah, how weird was it calling games not being there? Because it, I, I'm going to guess here, but I don't think you've ever had to do that right? Ever. No, basketball. no,
2: no. Um, you know, I've been doing this a while, but contrary to what some people say, I did not, uh, do recreation of baseball games during world war two. Um,
1: i, <laughs> I never I've, said you around that long Larry. <laughs> I've,
2: I've just done, you know, live in person stuff. And so, um, Hey, you know what? We, we did our best. We tried. Um, I, I'm not apologizing for my effort But um, it was not um, it was not what I ever envisioned doing. And it's something I hope I never have to do again.
1: Well, yeah, because um, whether it's doing a podcast or doing a a live uh, broadcast of the Dayton games, I mean, I I think I could speak for both of us and that if you're going to put something out there and have your name on it and be um, be a part of who you are as a persona, you want it to be something that doesn't suck and that isn't isn't crappy. And I think last year it was like hard to create stuff or create moments that weren't forced or, you know, they didn't like they kind of felt fabricated because the fans weren't there to make it real. And I always say that's why Dayton basketball is kind of what it is because the fans go into the arena, they make it real. You know, they make it feel like it all really matters. Like you're like our week is on the line. If the flyers don't pull out a win and, and that a tangibility Um, it just really wasn't there last year. And so I do commend you guys for, for pushing through it. Just like the players, it was probably hard to get excited for some games in the same fashion that you used to. Um, but we, we pressed on. So here we are, you know, less like, like I said, less than two months towards the season. And, um, it's great to have you on again to kind of kick off the year. And I take a nice long hiatus myself from the the podcasting business. So I, um, you, know, you were you were my first email when I decided to to kind of go back at it here in September. So I do thank you for joining the program again. And I always let my guests wrap up with final thoughts, and I know you are never short on them. So do you, do you have final thoughts for the listeners as uh, as the season approaches here?
2: Uh, embrace the unknown. Uh, instead, of, instead of worrying uh, that you don't know anything about this team, instead of worrying the fact that 11 of them are classified as freshmen, instead of worrying about the fact that uh, with the exception of uh, the walk-ons, none of them have been on the floor uh, at a uh, capacity UD arena uh, for a game that meant anything, set all that aside and instead look at the opportunity, look at the, uh, the, the chance to, to see a team um, grow before your eyes, uh, to see a team that will be better in February than it is in November, and enjoy the process. Enjoy the process, um, don't get caught up in uh, strength of schedule, RPIs, uh, nets, and all that stuff. Just enjoy the process this season uh, because I think you're going to like this team and I think that they're going to grow on you as they grow.
1: Well, I, uh- Definitely could not have said that better than you did right now. So I think that's a, a perfect place to close up shop for today. Um, that'll wrap up the opening week here on Talking Out Loud. If you're just listening to this one, go ahead and go back and listen to the interview I did with Jordan Seibert earlier this week, taking us down memory lane. And uh, thanks again to, to Larry again for joining the program to, to kick things off this year. And I know I am as excited as anybody to, uh, to get it going. So, Larry, thanks again uh, for joining the program. It's always great to have you.
2: My pleasure, Sully, and uh, go Flyers.
1: Absolutely. There's only two other rules on this program as I take you out tonight. They are wear red and be loud, and we will catch you next week.
0: Wash away my trouble, wash away my pain, wear the rain and shine my light. Wash away my sorrow, wash away my shame, with the rain and shine my light. i